Okay, at this time, my friend Brooklyn is going to come and read this morning's verses to us. Could you give her a little hand clap as she comes? Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they never prosper in all they do. But they, the wicked, they are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will not be commanded at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For those watches, for the Lord watches over the path of those the godly. But the destruction of the wicked leads to destruction. Great job. All right. Thank you, Brooklyn. And so we started a series last week called Mindset. Mindset. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to get your mind right. Time to get your mind right. And so we talked about our minds. We talked about our minds. And so really what I want to look at this morning is that first couple of verses of Psalm chapter 1. So Psalm chapter 1 is a special psalm. Of, of all the psalms, this is known as the psalm of psalms. And so it almost, in, in a lot of ways, it gives us a 10,000-foot view of every psalm in the entire book. It, it lays out an outline. It, it gives us a, um, an overview of every single other psalm, the pattern contained in Psalm chapter 1. And what I really, really love about this psalm, and just a little bit about the, you know, each one of these psalms, they're special in unique ways, but they would set these to music. So these would be sung. These would be just like we um, were worshiping earlier and singing these songs together. And if you're like me, it's, it's hard for me to memorize something. But I can tell you the third verse of an old 70s rock song, you know, like it, 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 it seriously, it's just like, you know, I grew up listening to Southern rock as a kid and my dad loved rock and roll music. And, uh, and, and, but when it's set to music, I can remember it. And, and that's what these psalms were meant to be. They were meant to be set to music so that you could memorize them. And there's the psalms known as the Psalms of Ascent. And so these songs, psalms would be sang as the children of Israel would be ascending to Israel. And so they would sing these psalms together. But the book of Psalms, uh, especially this chapter, it describes two different types of people. I'm going to read that first verse again. It says, blessed is the man. How many of you in here want to be blessed? It says, this person is blessed that doesn't do these things. They don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. They don't stand in the way of sinners. They don't sit in the seat of mockers. But this person's delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And so last week, we, we really jumped into this mindset series. And we talked a lot about how we think. We talked about strongholds. And how the enemy comes into our minds and tries to set up these mental strongholds. Paul, who was the ultimate thought warrior, the apostle Paul, talks about these strongholds. He talks about serving God with our minds. He talks about how we become Christians. How do we move 
from a, 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 you know, a non-believer to a believer? Well, it's, it's we are transformed by our minds. And what this psalm is telling us here and, and giving us some incredible truth is it's not just how we think, it's what we think. And there's a lot out there in the world right now about critical thinking and, and how to think and, and how to meditate and all of these things, and, and, and they're important. But Psalm 1 gives us the real truth, and it gives us, it's where the, the rubber really meets the road here, that it's not so much how we think, it's what we are thinking. It's what we think. It's what we put in our minds. So right now, we're, everybody's, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people are fasting. We're, we're fasting in our church. We do this every year. We've done this now since the beginning of Upper Room, even when we were a Thursday night ministry in 2012. We've taken the first uh, half, you know, of January. We're doing 10 days now because, you know what I'm saying? It's just 21, you know, at the end of 21 days, I'm sneaking cookies. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm doing, I'm, I, you know, I, I try to give up everything at once. And you go to a juice diet or you go and you just try to just drink water for a few days. And then you, your body starts telling you things. You realize that you could be addicted to sugar. Didn't know that. You could be addicted to carbs. You can be addicted to uh, caffeine. I almost checked myself into a methadone clinic. About seriously, about seven years ago, we when we owned the coffee shop, and uh, I was drinking six to eight shots of espresso a day. You know, I worked it next to the co- in the coffee shop, so I just come out there like pull me two shots, you know, and um, I'll, you know I'd go home, I'd drink a couple shots of espresso, go home and go to sleep. Well, January came, and I was like, I'm not going to drink coffee. And I've, I mean, I've, I haven't had the greatest past. Y'all know that. I've I've done a few things in my life. I've dabbled a little bit and. In some things, but coming off of caffeine was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And my, I, like, I had, I had shin splints. I, I, and then I googled, and I'm like, that is a, that is a, a, a side effect of withdrawing from caffeine. Like shin splints, your bones start to hurt. I didn't know this. And uh, so I, I, I didn't always work in church. I worked a lot of different jobs, and one job that I worked the longest, I worked at this place. It sold soda, and I, you know, and I, I did, <laughs> I did, and I did. We sold soda, and um, and and I didn't grow up drinking a lot of soda, and so and and so I started working at Pepsi, and I was, you know, at 19, and and one of the benefits of working there was that you got to drink all the Pepsi you wanted all the time, and not just Pepsi, you know, we had all kinds of stuff, you know, Starbucks is owned by Pepsi, ready to drink Starbucks drinks, and Gatorade and all these energy drinks, Rockstar and all this stuff. And, and so I got to where, because it was available all the time, and when I, you know, I, moved, I moved from working on a truck and then I had a job in the office for a little while and I had a fridge in there, and I could just go to the warehouse anytime, just grab what I wanted. My boss was cool like that. He was like, just, just go get you what you want, write it down. I could bring it home. We were allowed to get like three or four cases a week. And so I started drinking Mountain Dews, Okay. And I started drinking Mountain Dews like all the time. Like, I mean, like I would wake up, it was Mountain Dew. You know, on the way to work, it was a Mountain Dew. I'd get to work, I had a whole fridge of ice cold Mountain Dews. And so we just, you know, I was drinking Mountain Dews. I mean, and I got to where, I mean, I was drinking like two to three cases of Mountain Dews a week. Okay, but you know, I'm 20, it's caffeine. I'm working a lot, you know, I, I, it kept me going. If I start getting tired, I drink another Mountain Dew, you know, and, um, and then so 
the first time that I came across this fasting thing was at the church that I was attending, and the, the church did a corporate fast. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to stop drinking these Mountain Dews. And I couldn't do it. Like, I, I didn't realize that I was addicted to this soda. And what was so hard to, to, why it was so hard to quit is like I had a fridge full of it in my office. Then the office next to me had a fridge full of it. Everything in my face was Mountain Dew, you know what I mean? And so it was so hard, to, and, it, and it got to the point to where I, I couldn't even drink water. Like, I just didn't like the taste of water. And so maybe you're fasting right now, and you decided you were going to stop doing some things. Maybe you decided you were going to stop drinking alcohol. Or maybe you decided you were going to stop drinking or eating sweets or I don't know, whatever. And your body is letting you know or telling you that that's not going to happen. <laughs> and, and I found in my life that what I feed my body, my body craves. And so for months and months and months and months of drinking Mountain Dews and energy drinks all the time, my body needed it. It began to crave it. And what we see here in the book of Psalms, chapter 1, is we see two different types of people. The, David describes them, one is a tree and one is a tumbleweed. And the difference between the two is the food and the fruit that they produce. And the tumbleweed is drinking Mountain Dews all the time, mentally. And your brain, just like your body, is the same way. Whatever you feed your mind, your mind will crave it. And so if you feed your mind 14 hours of breaking news a day, come on, somebody, your, your mind is going to crave it. If you feed your mind four hours of reels on TikTok every day, your mind is going to crave it. If you feed your mind just a constant comparison of people's highlight reels, whatever that might be, if it's on Facebook, if it's on Twitter, if it's on Instagram or Pinterest, and you, and you feed your mind with this all day long, as soon as you try to stop, it's saying, hang on. Our mind craves what we feed it every day. Input determines output. And so what we try to do, usually the first of the year, is we try to quit some things. We want to change output, but we can't change our output if we don't change our input. And that's the way that our life works. That's the way I think God set it up, is it begins in the mind, and then it manifests in our life. That a thought, the thoughts produce actions, actions over time produce our character. And so we have a lot to, to as, as Christians, for the last, I don't know, probably a thousand years, our, our church forefathers, the, the ancients, have told us to be careful about three things. The church has gotten off track. The Christian has gotten off track when they've been attacked by what's known as like the satanic trinity is what I'm going to call it. The world, the flesh, and the devil, right? Have you heard that before? The, the, the book of common prayer um, if you're Catholic, I was raised Catholic. If you read some of the ancient priests, they talked about this trinity that we had to be careful with. It was the world, it was the flesh, and it was the devil. You know, and those th three things are trying to get us off track. And, 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 and what I'm finding in my life is that the flesh and the devil are very easy to recognize. If we sat down and had coffee or a Mountain Dew, or, you know, whatever, <laughs> 
I don't drink Mountain Dews anymore, right? My name is Nathan, and I'm, I'm no longer... <laughs> okay. They don't come in the house. You usually, most people know what their vices are. If they've lived long enough, they know. That's probably on your list right now of things you're trying to give up. You know what your vice is. You, you, you know the things that you fight. You know the things that's hard for you to lay down. And so you can recognize the flesh pretty easily in our own lives. And then, and then we have the devil, well, even a non-Christian can recognize the devil, right? You, you, know when he, like, you, you know when the devil is fighting you. I mean, like, it's, 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 it's easy to recognize. It's the world. It's the world. Now, what does he mean? You know, what, what, is, what, what did our ancient church fathers mean when they said, be careful about the world, the culture? It's not, I don't believe they meant nature. I think if you were to take a three-week vacation and submerge yourself in nature, you're going to come back a better person. You go in the woods for three weeks and live, you're going you're to have some epiphanies. You're going to know God. You're going you're to find him out there. Now, if you, if you submerge yourself in this world system, it's a system that they're talking, talking about. It's a, it's a culture. It's a, it's a mindset. It's, it's a mentality. When they, when they talk about, this is the way Eugene, Eugene Peterson described it, the world. He said, the world is an atmosphere. It's a mood. It is nearly as hard for a, pe- a person to recognize the world's temptations as it is for a fish to discover impurities in the water. You're breathing it in. You're watching it every day. You're seeing it on your phone. And you don't realize what it's doing but there's a reason why this unholy trinity starts with the world, because it's the most dangerous. It's the most sub- subtle. It's the one that can creep in unaware, and you don't even realize it, but it's affecting you. The tumbleweed, the first person that we see here in the book of Psalm, Psalms, the, the difference between the tree, which is what we want to be, and the tumbleweed is what they're feeding their minds. It's where they're hanging out. It said that the, the, the tumbleweed, the, the person, they, they walk in the counsel of the ungodly. They stand in the way of sinners. They sit in the seat of the scornful. So what, what do those three have in common? The, when, when you look at that word, walks in the way of the ungodly or the wicked, that word means they're, they're hostile to God. Now you're telling me right now, if you turn on the TV or you look at what culture is pumping into our houses and on our phones, you tell me that it's not hostile to God. I mean, even people that aren't Christians are like, this is pushing it. I mean, this is a little bit much, what what they call the woke mind virus, right? Come on. Like, it's wild. I've never thought a million years, like, like, like we have, I have my son, he's seven, and I thought that we could just let them watch cartoons. Like when I grew up, I watched cartoons. It was a little, like a rat, a, a Elmer Fudd chasing around a rabbit. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, just, it was just cartoons. It was simple. Like now there's hidden stuff in the cartoons. There's, there's things embedded. There's a clear agenda there. You, so you got to be careful what you, what you put in your minds, especially what we're allowing our kids to see it stands in the way of sinners. What is that word? That word sin just means to miss the mark. That's what that word means. When we, when we see that, hear that word sinner, it's, it's not like a derogatory word. It's somebody who misses the mark. It's somebody who has no aim. 
He says the blessed person, that, that means, it means happy, but it also means somebody who knows where they're going, so, somebody who's making progress, somebody who's, who's, who's on a journey and they, they know where they're heading. But a person, when he says, when we stand in the way with sinners, there, there's no aim. They, they, have no, they have no true north. Just K, Sarah, Sarah. What will be, will be. No, there's, there's no true north. And then, and then sitting in the seat of the scornful. So you see a progression here. It's a walk. It's a, it's a stand. And then it's a sit. What is a scornful person? That almost implies the word picture of a judge sitting in the seat of authority. That they are the end all. That a mocker or someone who is scornful has placed themselves in the seat of God. So they get to determine what is right and wrong. They get to determine, you know, who goes where or who does this. It's, that's, that's the idea here. And so the unhealthy mind, the tumbleweed, all that it feeds on is the wisdom of man. What, what is, what is this, this bad counsel that our writer is telling us about? Well, the wisdom of man begins and ends with man, right? There, there is no moral absolutes. When we talk about the Bible and we talk about what's right and wrong, like, like man didn't write this book. We, we have to remember that, that this was given to us. You know, like this didn't start in, in the mind of some smart person. Like this started in the heart of God, and so this was, it was like, you know, Moses went up and met with God and came down with some commandments. Like, hey, this is the way to live. I talked with God and he gave me these things and I wrote them on a stone because this is important. Moses did not develop those commandments. They came from God. But someone who doesn't have that in their life, who thinks that right and wrong is determined by themselves, or here's, here's the real thought of today, humanism Whatever is good for man at the time is what we should do. If it feels good, do it. If it makes sense, good. It, let's just do it. If it makes money, hey, let's do it, right? Like, like it, it's, it's kind of the, 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 the beating drum of the culture right now. And, and the danger with that is that is, is if, if when we begin to walk and, and think that way, we place ourselves in the seat of God. When we determine what's right and wrong, for our lives, and when we determine what's right and wrong for a group of people, it's a very slippery slope. And unfortunately, we live in a day where that's, that's common. We live in a day where, you know, the, the idea of moral absolutes is being eroded, that, that it's really just about, well, what's good for us right now? You know, what's good for the group of people that's in control? What's good for the group of people that's in leadership? This is a, a digression. This is the wisdom of the world. This begins and ends with man. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, don't deceive yourselves. If any of you think that you're wise by the standards of this age, he says you should become fools so that you can become wise again. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness. In God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and, the, and of the futile. So, so do you see, what I'm, you see where this is going? 
the tumbleweeds begins and ends with the wisdom of man. And you look at the, 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 the common theme of all three, the one that's walking, the one that's standing, the one that's sitting, they're going to people for their advice. They're going to the church of Google for how they make decisions, right? They're, 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 they're looking to what's modern thought of the day. But then it switches, <laughs> Now that I got your attention. That's why I had Brooklyn read, because I, I was going to, I mean, this is serious, right? I know this is a lot, but then it switches. It says, not so with the righteous. Well, what is the, what's the food of, of the righteous? What's the food of the tree? Well, a healthy mind requires a healthy diet. A healthy mind requires a healthy diet. A healthy body requires a healthy diet. And so they're getting their food from a different source. The, the person that is, that whatever they do is blessed. The person that is walking in righteousness, they're not, they're not really so much looking to the world for solutions or for answers. They're looking to God. And, and, and this, is, this is what, the, this is what our, the text tells us this morning, that this person's delight is in the law of the Lord. The tree that's planted by the, 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 the stream. This person's delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the law of God, this person meditates day and night. Let's talk about that for a second, the law of God. So what does that mean, the law of God? It's interesting that that word law is the Torah. It's the first five books of the Bible. And so, so this person, and I, I wanna speak to Christians for a moment, because I think that, that there's a real tendency right now to, to uh, you know, we're chasing the next revival. We're, we're chasing the next conference, or we're chasing the next this or the next that. But according to Psalm 1, he's saying, no, the person that's planted, that's, that's, that's drawing resources from a deep, deep well, they're meditating on the first five books of the Bible. That's all they had then. Their, their memory, like, like, and what I have found in my life, I think you could take one verse your, the rest of your life and never find the bottom of that verse. You could study it your whole entire life, and as soon as you think you've read every commentary and you've prayed it up, down, right, and left, you're going to find something new in it because it's, the Bible is the real magic book. It's alive. It's living. And as we change, it changes. And, and, and so he says the righteous person, their delight is, is, is not in the next fad. It's not in the next prophetic movement. It's not in getting another word from the Lord or from somebody else. It's in the Bible. Because this is, the, this is our, our marching orders. This is, this is where we go when we get in a bind. This is where we go when we get anxious. This is where we go when we don't know what to do. I mean, this is where, before we go to the guidance counselor, we go to this. And it, it hurts my heart to see Christians that, that are just chasing the next fad or the next move. And, and, and it's common. They just hop from church to church. They hop from thing to thing. The tumbleweed, right? He says it's blown by the wind. What does the tree do? Tree doesn't move. <laughs> a tree goes deep. A tree stays. It says the righteous, they love the law of God, and, and this is why. It says they meditate on it. They meditate on it. Now, that, that is, that's really where I wanted to go this morning because meditation, I feel like that word has been kind of 
almost stolen in a lot of ways. When we think about meditating, it's like, oh, that's a new age thing. You know, that's, that's a, a new spirituality. But that, that med meditation has been around for a long, long time. And the people that gave us this book, they meditated. <laughs> they, they, and, and that, so it's, it's an interesting word, meditation. It's like, it literally means a lion stalking its prey. Think about that for a second. It's, it means a lion growling and, and watching what it's trying to eat. I remember growing up watching Discovery Channel. I watched a lot of Discovery Channel. Anybody else? And Weather Channel. I, if I had two channels in history, that'd be the three. That's the, that's the channel trinity for me. That's what I do. I sit at home and watch war documentaries all day. Um, and, and then Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, and uh, I just love it. I don't know why, but, but, but I remember watching, growing up watching Discovery Channel, and these lions would just be hanging out like right next to these deer, and like these deer didn't care. Like, like they, they're gonna, this lion's just going to eat you, you know, like, 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 like casually, like, like they were comfortable with them, because a, a lion will track its prey for days, just watches it, wants the deer to think it's safe, gets close to it. And it's not running around looking necessarily for an easy meal, but it's, it's constantly on the lion's mind. Because the lion doesn't eat very much. The ones at the zoo, you ever seen an obese lion? I have never. The one at the zoo, maybe, you know, they're feeding it corn or whatever they're feeding those lions at the zoo. God bless them. But the lions in the wild, I'm just on it today, y'all. I'm telling you right now, this has been sitting in my mind for a while. Um, I'm going to shoot with birdshot here because I got a lot and I'm trying to just narrow it down. But the person that is delighting in the law of the Lord is meditating on him. He's focused. And it's not so much quantity as it is quality. He's, meditation, I think, is, is a mindfulness. It's a mindfulness. That's to, to, to try to put it in one word, it's I'm thinking about the word of God. It's in my heart. It's on my mind. It's in my mouth. I talk about the word of God. It's in my message. It's, it's in my conversation. It's, it's always in front of me. You think about the lion. It, it's, it's, what it wants is always in front of it. It's pursuing it. Meditation. And then, and then there's, you know, there's things that we can do to help us meditate. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I like reading some of the, how the, you know, the Franciscan monks meditated. I like taking things from other old, old traditions because it's what got us here. And so meditation is not a new age thing. Meditation is a very, very old thing. And I think the church should take that word back. I think it's very good to meditate on the word. I think you're better off getting one verse and just saying it over and over in your mind for days than, than trying to read 38 chapters in two days, right? Anybody ever got on a Bible reading plan and got behind on a Bible reading plan and then you pull out your phone or whatever, or your Bible reading plan, and you're like, I got to read 733 verses or, you know, or chapters, right, to, to catch up today. And it's like, no, let's not take that approach. Just give me one verse. Lord, just, just, give me, just give me one verse. I'm going to think about that verse all day. I'm going to think about that verse all week. I, I want that verse to get, it's, it's the tree that's going deep with its roots. The tumbleweed's moving fast across the surface. 
never goes deep. And that's the danger, I think, of our culture right now, is we have all the information in the world at our fingertips. But how much of it are we applying? How much of it is getting in us? How much of it is going, is going deep? How, how much of it are, are we getting deep down inside of our, our souls? That, that, that this meditation, it's, it's not so much about getting something new, like it's about applying what we already know. We have so much Bible in our culture. We have so much scripture. Like, like we have so, I mean, it's, that Bible app is so impressive. I mean, we got teaching, we got preaching, we got the best preachers in the world. You could go home and, and Google someone and listen to sermons for the rest of your life on it. But the biggest gap in the world is not the Grand Canyon. It's not the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean, the biggest gap in the world is between knowing and doing. And the way that we apply the truth in our life is we, is we sit on it. We let it soak. It's like a crock pot. We meditate on it. It gets, it gets deep down inside of us. And this meditation brings new revelation. It, it's, 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 it's the righteous person. It's, it's the tree that's what we want to be. We want to be the tree because when, when, the, when the judgment comes, according to the psalmist, it comes to both. It comes to the tumbleweed and it comes to the tree. The tree's able to stand. You know why? Because the tree's got depth. The tree's got roots. The tree knew the storm was coming. The tree built his house right, right in a place where it, it went deep before it went tall. Meditation, thinking about the word of God, meditating on it, sitting on him. And so I, I want to kind of go back to my, the Pepsi story for a while, the Mountain Dews. And, I, you know, why was it so hard to give up? Like, if you try to give up something, why is it so hard? Have you noticed that? Why does sugar taste so good? You know, I, I mean, why, why does coffee and caffeine and, and Mountain Dew and chocolate and all the stuff that's probably not so good for our body, why, why does it taste so good? There's a story in the book of Exodus, a whole book really about when God took his people that were in bondage for 400 years and he took them out of this bondage. They were under this guy named Pharaoh and they did whatever he, they were slaves to Pharaoh for 400 years. So we're talking generations and generations and generations. And finally, God raised up a man and said, I'm, I'm gonna free my people. Let my, right, Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let, let my people go. It's time for them to come out of this bondage. It's time, and whether you realize it or not, that's the Christian's journey in 2024. That if we're saved today, we're saved from something like every, everybody has a Pharaoh in their life. Everybody has something in their life that God has brought them out of. And so for the children of Israel, it was this guy named Pharaoh and it was in Egypt and crazy story, incredible how God brings them out. He uses Moses, he leads them through the Red Sea. He, he splits the sea, beautiful thing. They get, they, they, um, they get liberated from Pharaoh. And not only that, Pharaoh chases him down gets all of his chariots and horses trying to get him back, and then he, God just shuts the sea on Pharaoh. He, they got to watch the thing that held them in bondage disappear. It's amazing. And you would think the fight would be over, right? 
Pharaoh, the guy that was telling them when to stand and when to sit and what to do, and that's what, that, that's what bondage does. That, that's what sin does. They got to watch it just drown in front of them. You would think it was over. <laughs> the, the, the battle was done. But I want you to see this in Numbers 11. It says, one day after that deliverance, some foreigners among the Israelites became greedy for food. And even the Israelites began to complain. We don't have any meat. In Egypt, where we were slaves, like they left that out, we could eat all the fish we wanted. And there were cucumbers and melons and Mountain Dew and onions and, and garlic. Like, it, was all, it was so good. It tasted so good. But here we are out here in the wilderness, starving to death, and all you've given us is this manna. Why does Mountain Dew taste good and manna doesn't? It says it tasted like olive oil. And every day, God would put it on the ground, and they would get it. Have you ever, you ever go home and get you a cap of oil and drink it and see how it tastes? It just doesn't have any taste at all. And this is what I, this is what I want you to hear, because... I, 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 when I first picked up this book and started reading it, there wasn't a real craving to go back to it. And when I think about the children of Israel and what God was feeding them every day, this manna, they had the same problems that we have. It, it, they, they started complaining, Lord, this is it's the same thing over and over. We want some quail. We want, some, we want some fruit, right? We want some meat. We want like this. Is, it's the same thing every single day. And this is what happened with them. Their bodies came out of Egypt, but their minds did not. And so even though they were completely liberated and Pharaoh was dead and the thing that had them bound was gone, in their minds, they kept going back to it. So God fed them manna every day. He changed their diet. Every day they got up. And I, I think about how God changed my life. <clears throat> and it was every day. You know, I'd read, these, I'd read this book. I didn't understand it at all. I wasn't raised in church. I was raised Catholic. But I didn't understand that at all either. Like it was just a lot going on. And, and I would just, I remember getting up and reading and thinking, well, Okay. What is it, <laughs> right? That's, that's what manna means. What, what is it? Like, this is, I read this already, and I, I don't know what it means. But you keep going back, and, and you keep replacing the stuff that you know is hurting you with the stuff that God says you should do. And it may not taste good at first. But Psalm 1 tells us the, the one that meditates on the word eventually will delight in it. And I think what he means is spiritual disciplines, eventually become spiritual delights. That if you keep putting it, and you just keep coming back to church, you may have had a bad experience the first time, keep coming back. I mean, you may try to read your Bible and you read it and you get it out and it's like, it's just a bunch of names. I don't know what's going on. Like, it doesn't make sense. Just, just keep doing it. Keep putting it in your mind. Keep filling your mind with the word of God. Keep, keep putting on that worship music, even when Caleb is cheesy and I can't even listen to it. Somebody help out the radio. They take good, good songs and then only play the cheesy versions of it. I can't do it. 
find you some good worship. It's out there. Like, right? like, like fill, fill your mind with the word of God. Put it on in the car. Put it on at home. Like even when you, it doesn't, it, it, there's no desire, there's no craving for it. Eventually, there will be. And a friend reminded me this week that the beauty of the gospel is this, that God can take a tumbleweed like me and turn it into a tree. Like, right? That God can take a nobody, no history in the word of God, no history, right? I didn't know up from down. Like, I didn't know anything. I showed up. I've told y'all. My first Bible was a surfer's Bible, and it was just one book, and I thought it was the whole Bible. So I told everybody I read my Bible every day, the whole Bible. And I didn't do that for days. I did that for months. I would go to church and be like, Leviticus? That ain't, that ain't in my Bible. You know what I'm saying? Like, Revelation, what in the world? I mean, I got the book of John. That's all I got. And God used the book of John every single day to change my life. That's because, I mean, that's, and that's what he does. Come on, let's say it to our feet. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. You tell us in John 15 that you are the vine and we are the branches. And we got one job, to abide in you, to just stay connected, to to keep coming back, to just keep coming back to the living water. Keep coming back to the word of God, even when sometimes it doesn't taste good and there's no craving for it, but we just keep coming back. We thank you, Lord, that you can take a tumbleweed, somebody that has no root, that has no foundation, that's just being blown with the wind, that you can take someone like that and make them a tree. Make them bear fruit that other people can enjoy. Give them deep roots so that they can endure storms and trials and tribulations. That they can go so deep that they draw from sources that's invisible on the surface. Lord, make us trees. Lord, make us all trees. Lord, Lord, help us to go deep before we go far. Lord, help us to just stay and sit with you and spend time with you. And help us, Lord, to just meditate on your word every single day. Lord, that, Lord, I just pray that you'd give us a desire. Lord, help us to just crave what's right and good and righteous. Lord, we know that that's something we're not born with, but you can give it to us. 